my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. Big run-up in a lot of stocks today, while others took it on the chin because of the announcement of a second vaccine that's been found to be extremely effective for tackling coronavirus. This one from Moderna uses a whole different process of developing a vaccine, has been found to be incredibly reliable by their telling 94% effective. The one we just heard about recently from Pfizer was more than 90% effective. Don't remember a specific number beyond that. But what these vaccines mean is that if they are widely enough adopted by Americans and people overseas, that coronavirus will fade into first a nuisance and then fade into oblivion. And this is enormously positive news for our lives and our health and incredibly great for the economy as you look moving forward to have this kind of very, very positive information coming about us being able to tackle coronavirus. The irony of it is that stocks that are what are called (laughs) stay-at-homes, they didn't like this. I mean, investors in those stocks, things that make you couch potatoes, watching streaming, uh, various activities like working out on home gym equipment instead of going to a fitness center, anything that was about us nesting, the stock market is like, well, yeah, well, that was fun while that lasted. But stocks that involve people getting out and feeling comfortable to do things again that people have been reluctant to do or have done a lot less of, those stocks have performed very well. And this is in the midst of us having the worst coronavirus outbreak in the United States since coronavirus came on the scene. The number of people getting COVID-19 positive tests is extremely high. The death rate is climbing uh, day by day. And the number of people who are infected has gone up. The one piece of good news is that the exhausted medical personnel treating people for coronavirus know much better how to treat people now who do come down with it. And so the one ray of hope is that the number of people that will die from this enormous outbreak is significantly less as a ratio than died back in the spring. But we do have a really rough ride straight in front of us, followed by what will be a continual improving picture in 21 as the number of vaccines produced increases, the numbers distributed and taken uh, increases. It will allow us to destroy the effect coronavirus has had on us health-wise and as an economy. One footnote you may not be aware of, there's one big advantage for distribution of the Moderna vaccine versus the other, and that is that it doesn't require 
extremely special handling in terms of temperature control that's required for the early good news about a vaccine that seems to be very successful. So this is good stuff moving forward. It's just we got a tough immediate picture in front of us, both economically and for our health. It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel take turns with Kim up first. All right. First today is Anthony from Georgia. Anthony says, Clark, about four years ago, my wife and I reversed roles and I became a stay at home dad to our three kids while my wife chose to focus on her career. Her company provides long-term disability at 60% of salary. And I'm wondering, can I get disability insurance for myself if I'm not technically employed? I know if something was to happen to me apart from death, that it would be very difficult for my wife to work, take care of the kids, and take care of me. We do have adequate life insurance, by the way, on both of us. Well, uh, first of all, you're a tougher person than I am. I could have never handled raising my three children. Uh, Who knows what would have happened to them if I was raising them. Just, I'm not capable of that. Second, on the issue of disability, this is where you need to find a disability insurance broker. Somebody who all he or she does is they're an expert in disability coverage to see if in your particular situation where it's not specifically about replacing your income, but dealing with a family expense that would exist if you were not able to work, that's going to require a very specialized placement and a very experienced individual. So that's your mission, is to find a disability insurance broker. Start with, if you have an agent, you deal with for traditional things like uh, homeowners or auto, they tend to know who to do referrals to for specialized areas. And so you need somebody who is very knowledgeable at disability coverage. I am not familiar myself with people being able to buy disability insurance in your specific circumstance. That's why the expertise is so key. Joel? Clark John in Florida says, I live in a condo association in Orlando, and it has a hundred uh, more than 100 units in which the average HOA dues are about $240 a month. For over six years, the HOA has neglected maintaining and repairing the exterior of the buildings. There's mildew and wood decay on the wood siding, grass growing out of the gutters, flaking paint on the stairs, and more. Is there anything condo owners can do that will force an HOA to act on its responsibilities? As you can imagine, this prolonged neglect has uh, produced some devaluation in the property. Yeah, no no doubt that that's one of the things that should be an advantage of a condo association is that enough money is budgeted to maintain the dwellings properly so that you hold up value. What you're going to need to do is organize yourselves to run for the condo association board and take control of that board and come up with a plan for doing the maintenance that's been deferred. I have had over the years the responsibility of being uh, both on condo boards and twice being office an officer 
in condo associations. And I, in fact, was an officer of one. I was the treasurer of one where we were way short of funds and things were really terribly being deferred. And we ultimately, collectively, as a condo association, came up with a plan that the membership voted on. We'd had an entire membership vote. And people voted on the maintenance plan and paid what they needed to in a special assessment to catch up on the deferred maintenance. Because if you don't do so, you kill everybody's condo value. Kim? Joe in California says, I learned recently about a new trend in healthcare known as direct primary care. For only $100 a month, patients have unlimited access to a doctor for non-rushed personalized treatment. I understand they even do house calls. While the nearest DPC physician's office is about 30 minutes from me, I'm thinking it might be worthwhile for me to get this to supplement my existing HMO so I can spend more time with my doctor and not feel rushed. I would keep my HMO for access to specialists and for treatment for more serious health matters. What's your take on this, Clark? Is it too good to be true? No, it's not too good to be true. It's really something that first came on our radar probably six years ago, if I'm guessing right. And the idea is that a lot of a primary care doctor's practice is dealing with the administrative costs of dealing with insurance companies, having a lot of staff people to argue with the insurers and all that. So this is a way to greatly reduce overhead. In fact, we profiled a direct primary care doctor who she went down to being a one-person practice. She helped her employees find jobs elsewhere, and it was just her. And so she came up with a fee that people pay. Typically, either you write one annual payment or typically you pay quarterly. And then that gave you access to care and eliminated all the hassle with the insurers. So this is different than uh, something else. We've had questions about concierge medicine where it's a tightly controlled number of patients. And so the idea is you get these ultra-long appointments and all that, but insurance is still part of the picture. With this business model, typically your insurance is not involved, and your idea of having the insurance overlay to make sure you don't create financial uh, risk for yourself and have access to specialists is a good way to do it. Joel? Clark Jonathan in Florida says, I'm a 21-year-old student that's preparing to launch into full-time work life. I have no debt and have not had a credit card yet. I plan to purchase a used car after finishing college, and I'm willing and able to pay cash for the vehicle. My parents advised me to reach out to you, though, to inquire if financing a small portion of that vehicle would make sense, um, and then paying it off soon thereafter. Would that be the best way to start building a credit score? Actually, the best way to build that credit score is since you're... 21 now, and you're still a college student, apply for a college student credit card while you still can where they don't base it on income. And if you get a credit card, I'd actually prefer for you to get two. Get student cards that have no annual fee. Most everybody issues these now that are the student cards. And then you will have established all the credit 
you're going to need when you graduate from college and you can just pay cash for that vehicle you're buying which is fantastic by the way to get through college and be in a position that you're able to buy a vehicle for cash so use credit cards is the simplest easiest way for you to establish that credit use them sparingly but use them pay them in full you'll have fantastic credit brandon is with us on the clark howard show how you doing good how are you great you're thinking of joining me in the tesla orbit yeah that's why i gave you a call <laughs> so uh what are you thinking of doing um well i'm looking at the x uh because we have we have three kids and i was looking at you know new versus used and last time around we bought a car because we have our own business our accountant told us we because of depreciation, we pretty much got a better deal buying new than used. Um, but this time around, he says the, the, the laws have changed and we could buy new or used. Well, the great news for you in buying an X is the price has been cut so much. And, I mean, we're still talking about rarefied air for a new one. But the, oh, really? I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, so the X is... Fasten your seatbelt if you don't know what a fancy Tesla costs. But anyway, it's 79000 now for the new Model X, which is substantially cheaper. And that's basically fully equipped. There's almost no options you can add to it for the, okay. the long-range one that goes just a whisker under 400 miles on a charge when you put it in trip mode. It's very fast. I mean, there's no... SUV that goes that fast. It goes zero to 60 in just over four seconds. But I'm going to ask you something crazy. Have you looked at the Model Y SUV? I haven't. We did a test drive with the X. Go test drive a Y because I've test driven both of them. And I actually, even though the Y is so much cheaper, I like it better. Okay. Um, you may you may say, "Oh no, this is too Spartan," because the the Y is like rolling around in an IKEA store. It's very very plain inside, but that very severe Scandinavian kind of look, where right. the X is more more looks like a more traditional vehicle. In the Y, you yeah. don't get the fancy gold wing doors that open up like. Everybody gets so excited like it's a circus act. <laughs> but if you if you can afford it, you know, the used ones were a much better deal before the prices of the Model S and the Model X were cut so much. I mean the model the Model S now is sixty nine thousand, the Y uh, the the X is seventy nine thousand. Huge reduction from okay. where they were. That sounds good. When I was online, though, the X is coming in higher than that. Am I looking in the wrong place? I don't know. I don't know how recently you looked, but when you get to select your car, make sure you click purchase price because they do this this weird Elon Musk math where they show you um, fake prices based on some kind of mathematical formula that they came up with that says this is how much you save versus a gas engine vehicle. And ignore all that. Just click on the purchase price thing, 
and you build it the way you want it and you can buy it just as it is as a great vehicle at 79 plus destination charge or you can run it all the way up into well over a hundred thousand dollars depending on what features you want great to have you here on the clark howard show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have our websites clark.com and clarkdeals.com so we are in the middle of open enrollment for employer-based health care and we're also in the middle of re-enrollment for people that are medicare recipients and in both situations new studies show absolutely that inertia is your enemy that people with a health plan at work tend to take just a minute or two to re-enroll for a following year don't really look closely at the options and take whatever they took in the past without looking to see if it is actually the best choice for you well according to market watch that puts you in a position where you were paying more money than you should the average person who doesn't actually shop the employer plans ends up spending over $2,000 a year extra for health care. So, you know, there are 180 million of us who get our health care through a place of work and just automatically default to whatever because, well, it's what we were doing, so it's what we're going to do. But many times there are decisions, even if you don't have a choice of who your health plan provider is you still may have a choice of what deductibles you have and then what premiums that translates into so you can't know for sure what you're going to spend on health care in 21 versus what you spent on health care in 20 and 19 and 18 and whatever but you have a sense of that based on your general health and how much you've accessed health care in the past a lot of people will choose a plan that has higher premiums but lower deductibles because they're worried about the cost they may face but for many people it's better to take the lower premium and higher deductibles if you're generally in really good health and seldom seek medical services but a lot of people just don't do that and then the reverse could be true you may be looking told down premiums when you may have a chronic condition or medical condition that requires disease management and so your utilization of medical services may be higher than normal in your case you do want the higher premiums and the lower out-of-pocket for care in 21 and one other thing you may have a choice of health plans you know different providers and a lot of people don't explore those options and there may be of the choices you're offered a better provider for you and especially each year the providers in a plan the doctors the facilities may change and so it's important that you look at those options that you're offered so that you have continuity of care so you don't suddenly find yourself having to switch facilities or providers 
So that's why taking some time to look at it in addition to the money is also important. And for Medicare recipients, a study by uh, the Kaiser Family Foundation, which is not the health provider Kaiser, found that, get this, almost 60% of people, when it comes time to Medicare open enrollment, which goes on till Pearl Harbor Day this year, almost 60% don't even look at the options. Whatever they did for 20, they automatically do for 21. And roughly half of people admitted in a survey, they never comparison shop their plans. And this can be very costly to you, particularly with uh, things like Medigap policies, that if you buy a particular alpha of a Medigap policy, the coverages are identical for that Medigap. What matters is what the premiums are for that plan. So all plans of a particular letter co- offer the identical coverages. The only thing that can differ is the premium and also the customer no service. But shopping around for Medicare recipients is absolutely key. I know that the booklet that Medicare sends each year is completely overwhelming, but know that most of what's in there doesn't apply to you. Only read the sections that do apply to you and do the best you can to shop both your Part D for prescription drugs and your Medigap. Shop those And with Advantage plans, you can consider shopping those as well, although people seem to just stick in whatever Advantage plan they go into. It may leave you without what would be a better option for you. Take some time worth doing for your wallet and your health. It's time for your questions. You posted for me at clark.com slash ask. And producers Kim and Joel alternate, and I forgot whose turn it is. That would be me, and this is from Jean in North Carolina. Jean says, Clark, I need your help for some clarification. I have yet to receive my stimulus check, even though I do qualify. I asked my tax professional about this, and he said, if I don't receive it, then I'll just be able to get a credit on my 2020 tax return. But recently, you stated on a show that there's a deadline, and I think I need to apply for it, but when I go to the IRS website, It says that's for non-filers, which I am not. So since there is absolutely no way to get someone from the IRS on the phone, could you please clarify? (laughs) Your accountant's right. Your tax preparer is right. So the procedure I talked about with the November 21st deadline is for the many millions of people who, for various reasons, qualify as non-filers, who did not have to file a tax return in 18 or 19 so in your case, if you have not received the money, it'll be a better late than never thing. So when your preparer does your 2020 return, that's where it will be part of what the preparer does to get you the money as part of an offset of additional tax you owe or an increase of your refund. If you use tax prep software instead, uh, there's an assumption that I think will turn out to be true, that the tax prep software will include uh, the questions to make sure that people who did not receive their stimulus money 
that that will be applied for as part of doing your 2020 return. Joel? Clark Dennis in Wisconsin says, I've received several credit card notices that that my company will be canceling rental car collision coverage. What credit card companies are not canceling this coverage? Where can I go in order to have a credit card that will provide that benefit? You know, it's really funny that credit card companies chose to do that during a time that people aren't really traveling. Why take away a benefit uh, from people and reduce the perceived value of a card in the middle of the pandemic? But be that as it may, there are a ton of credit cards that still offer very good rental car coverage and uh, there are a number of American Express cards that do. There's also um, one that people really, really like, which is the Chase Sapphire Preferred Card, which is the one with the $95 annual fee, not to be confused with the Chase card that has the zillion dollar fee, the reserve card that is $550. So it is very possible to do so. In addition, many of the business credit cards include collision coverage, typically primary. And so you just need to look around at the American Express products that are available. And for business customers, the Inc. business cards also include that as primary coverage. So there are any of a number of others that provide coverage for rental cars as secondary in second place following whatever your own automobile insurer does not pay. Kim? Miguel in California says, Clark, do you know anything about MIP investments? It's being talked about as a better retirement vehicle than an IRA or 401k, but I can't really find enough info. So it being described that way is kind of dodgy to me because what an MIP is as an investment is a mutual fund that specifically invests in a way that it can try to, in theory, send you a fairly reliable stream of monthly checks. So what they do is they in the mix of investments in the mutual fund, they specifically do investing in a way that lowers the risk of the mutual fund, also reducing the overall return to lower the chances that the fund will not be able to maintain some semblance of consistent value. Many times they'll use uh, very high dividend stocks is a way to generate income regularly. They may use something that some investment advisors towards people that are near retirement and in retirement really like, which are called preferred stocks, which are different than a normal stock, but are kind of a cross between a stock and a bond. So it's not something that specifically is different as an investment class than an IRA or a 401k. It's just a different flavor of mutual fund that could be held inside an IRA or outside of one. Joel? 
Clark Ingrid in Connecticut says, my cable provider will only allow me to rent a modem from them for my internet service. I would prefer to buy instead of renting, but I was told that's not possible. I do see modems for sale on places like Amazon Best Buy, of course. How do these perform? And uh, the same as, is it the same as the one that my cable company provides? How do I go about uh, remedying the situation? Great question. Now, the FCC has been mamby-pamby about this, saying that you have the right to buy your own modem, but they seem to look the other way when the cable companies don't follow the law and the regulation. So you just have to push back, and and you do have this right, and you can tell them you're going to file a complaint with the FCC at FCC.gov about the cable company not complying with the law, and it will save you a ton of money supplying your own modem. You'll make back the difference typically about the first five months. You'll break even, and after that, you'll save substantial money every single month going forward. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Derek is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Derek. You have found that there's a really, really hard bridge to cross when you're buying a special kind of housing. Tell me about it. Uh, Yes, thank you for taking my call, Clark. So. We're currently actually living in the house. It's a manufactured home built in 2006. Um, it's a double-wide manufactured home. So there's currently a, a mortgage on it. Um, it's my spouse's grandmother's mortgage. And since we we're living there, we took over the house for her. We figured we would take over the mortgage, but we're just having trouble finding a lender. Yeah, the, that is a market that is a very specialized market and a very unfavorable market. It's not unusual for the interest rate to be four times prevailing rates in the marketplace when you're trying to finance uh, any kind of uh, manufactured home. And um, it's an area that has specialized lenders because often they're financing a structure that the land that it sits on is leased, not owned. And so that's why it's become such a such a burden for people trying to finance so tell me some about the the home and where it sits is it on leased land or on land that that your it, uh your wife's grandmother owns she owns the land um and she was she is in the process of having a deed give the land would be given to us uh three acres of land um the the other the, they really haven't asked about that. They they mainly, the banks that I've found that would do it, they'll ask me if the, the property's on a, uh, a, f- a fixed... Um, Has to be on a slab. 
Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's not. It's just on the like con- concrete bricks, basically. Right, right. So that's, so, that's the other pro- a permanent permanent structure, I think. Exactly. So what happens with a lot of lenders is you're automatically redlined, and they won't consider financing this for you if it's not um, put in place where it would never be moved somewhere else, where you have to put okay, in so- either a foundation or if a slab would work, whatever they would require. Without that, uh, you were stuck only with these high-risk lenders that are going to charge. Um, how good's your credit? Uh, my credit's in the low 800s. So it, you're going to find probably double the prevailing rate in the marketplace, even with a top, top drawer credit score, which would be okay. somewhere around probably 7% maybe more what have you yeah, found that's, that's, so far that's around what we found is between seven and eight percent uh the the current mortgage is at five percent do you think it would be best for us to just leave it in her name and just continue making the payments under her name too dangerous it has, uh, about it has about 14 years left on it yeah too dangerous to do that okay they that's too much risk uh do either you or your spouse have a relationship banking wise with a local bank or credit union uh she has a she has a fairly local bank but it's not as local as i thought they're based out of ohio and we live in pennsylvania so no that's not a local bank that's that's what's called regional all right start looking around and see if there's any truly local bank there that's actually owned and operated and run in the county or close by where you are Because this is a specialized kind of situation that based on your credit standing, the organization, the bank, can take it on what's known as in-portfolio, where instead of trying to sell it off, based on your, your credit standing and maybe whatever assets you have, that they will allow you to have a good loan, not a crummy loan, because they're keeping it on their own books. Okay. And is there enough money at stake that it's worth it for you to permanently install that home on a foundation so that you can qualify for a more conventional loan? Uh, I I would have to, I guess, look into seeing how much that would cost to do that. And I do. I'm grasping at straws now, but I have one other idea. (laughs) And that is, is where the property located considered to be a rural area? It is a rural area, yes. All right. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has specialized um, loans that you may be able to qualify for. Nobody thinks of going to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, but there may be a loan you can qualify for that would be at a near market rate in a circumstance like a mobile home. But don't do anything like leave it in her name and just pay on her mortgage. Way too much risk with that. And uh, I hope that you do find a good answer one of those ways. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.